off the ball, Daly. Outside government buildings here with Michael Dara McCauley. Uh, Michael Dara, I don't think we've had you on the show since uh, last October. Could, could you just uh, set out, first of all, why this cause uh, has, um, has motivated you in particular to, to be the face, I guess, or one of the faces of, of this organisation? I've no interest to be the face of anything, to be honest. So, like, I think just a, a lot of concerned people got together um, in terms of people who were interested in this issue, people who saw what was going on, and I think just sports people as a group realise that we have potential to kind of reach into different towns, different communities within the country uh, and trying to stand up for what's right. I think that's what's, that's that's the, the kind of basic fundamental issue of what's going on here. Um, so I was here in my capacity with Irish Sport for Palestine as a former Dublin footballer and I suppose what's relevant as well a little bit as, as a former international basketballer with everything that's going on this week uh, just to, to, to try and take a stand for what's right at the moment. What's your current take on the situation with the basketball team? Because on the one hand, you've got five women who've done a remarkable thing. And on the other hand, the calls will continue to boycott this fixture against Israel. It's a hugely, hugely difficult situation. I know a lot of the girls personally, it's not easy. It shouldn't be left on Basketball Ireland. It should come from, from higher, from FIBA. I think Rebecca O'Keefe has pointed out so eloquently how the hypocrisy of what's going on between what's happened in Russia and Ukraine and what's not happening here. Uh, in terms of what's basketball Ireland's rhetoric on this situation to be honest uh, so look I've said it a million times there's more important things in sport this is one of the things that is more important in 10 years time it's going to be more important that we did not play this game than if we did and I think that's the line that we need to stick to uh, Basketball Ireland I'm not sure what their current situation is with regard to this do you believe that if the uh, noise continues that FIBA, not just Basketball Ireland, but FIBA can potentially take a softer tone on Ireland not fulfilling this fixture. Yeah, look, and from the outset, like I love basketball. Anyone that knows me, I love basketball. I'm still playing basketball. I work with Basketball Ireland. I'm, I'm, like, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a witch hunt against Basketball Ireland at all. It's just a particular situation that they've found themselves in, which is not a, far from ideal. And they just, they're, they're in a position where we really like them to do the right thing. We really like FIBA to, to take that first step and do the right thing first. I don't, know what the, I don't know what the hope is. Look, there's a huge clamour of, of, of support um, for the Irish women's team in terms of in terms of not playing this fixture. So, as I said, it's, it's really tough on the girls. Like, the, these girls are amateur athletes. These aren't live golfers who are getting paid millions to swan about. These are, these are girls who put in every waking moment of their free day to play basketball to get better. And I'm sure they have all sights set on, on, on this match uh, against Israel. And the country's asking them not to play it. So it's a difficult situation. I really appreciate that. At five girls, as we've already mentioned, have taken that step. You could easily make the case that the powers that be in the sport would follow their leadership and would understand the sacrifice they've already made by sacrificing what's on the table for them. Now, the flip side of that is that what they would be sacrificing on the table, they would argue, is a huge fine and uh, a crippling financial situation for the organisation would be their argument if they were here, I suspect. Yeah, look, there's possible fines, possible sanctions, and look, I, I, I don't know about what fines. These are all, these aren't guaranteed. These are, are possible options, um, and I'm also saying there's a huge groundswell of support for what's going on, and I'm sure that money could be acquired, could be could be crowdfunded or something to, to maybe support them in that situation. If they were to take that honourable stance, I, I think that would be a fair situation to happen. So I think that's something that definitely could be looked at. But look. It's it's not a, it's not a pretty situation at the moment, but you, like you just want people to do the right thing in this in the situation that we found ourselves in. How have you found the public support in terms of its strength over the past couple of months? Do you find that it's getting stronger than ever? There's more people supporting you than ever, or do you find that actually it's a battle to keep people aware and vociferous about this subject? 
There's two things happening. There is war for the heat happening when people are just people know how disgusting and how horrifying what's going on and is happening and it's it's making everyone sick to their stomachs. And, and but people are just can't physically take it anymore and have to just turn away from it so we understand that as well but there's a little part of us that just has to stay angry over the situation I know we're, I know, I know we're, we're a couple of thousand miles away but we still have to stay angry on this situation uh, while it's still going on so until we have a ceasefire we'll stay angry and we'll stay active on this David Hickey is obviously uh, a big part of this as well we had him in the studio uh, a few weeks ago a remarkable man with a remarkable story and um, for you personally, how has it been to, I guess, see how somebody like him operates and, and what, what I guess have you learned over the last little while? Uh, yeah, look, I think anyone that knows me, it means how close I've been to Dave over the years. And why? Because of his integrity. That's like, that is the main thing. So he, Dave has always done the right thing. There, there wouldn't be a question over, over what Dave would do in a similar situation. If you said not to, if Dublin were fulfilling a fixture in some sort of similar vein, they would not. They would not do it. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a debate because it's the right thing to do. And I suppose that's why so many people have bought into what Dave has done. Like the Mead footballers have bought in the teams from the 70s, 80s, 90s. All the rugby players they've all bought in because people know that Dave is doing it for the right reasons. He's not doing it for ego. He's not doing it to get some Instagram followers. He's not. Even though he could be a TikTok sensation if he went after it, but uh, he's not doing it for those reasons. He's doing it because it's the right thing to do. How did it make you feel when you saw the Dublin women's team? with their um, very um, very big support for Palestine before the game. It's actually something we've seen saw down in Tralee the last day, Palestine flags behind one of the goals during the Derry match. But just as, as a dub, seeing the, the women's team the, the first night of the league. Yeah, it was super. Look, And I think sometimes it's hard to put your hand up first. And they were the first team to do that. They were definitely the first team within the GEA to do it. Uh, and we're really proud, of the, really proud of the girls and the management team for, for doing that and making that stand. And I, I think they've, been, they've got the, the recognition that they deserve. They really kind of put their, about put their hand up about knowing there's more than sport. Um, and, yeah, I can really commend the girls for doing so. Michael Dower, great to chat to you. Thank you very much. Right, we are outside uh, government buildings with Rebecca O'Keefe here. Rebecca, um, first of all, can you just give us an update on what was actually happening here this afternoon? So today we had a press call with um, Irish Sport for Palestine and various other um, individuals, including Fatten from IPSC. And so Irish Sport for Palestine had an open letter calling on the government and ministers and governing sporting bodies to hold Israel to account and to investigate their war crimes, um, ban them from international competition and to show a message of solidarity to Palestinians. So what we were doing today was presenting that letter to Minister Catherine Ryan and we're also appealing to people about the upcoming basketball match. So FIBA and Basketball Ireland have said that the match will go ahead and what that has meant now is players are now in a tough position some women have come out and said that they won't play and massive respect to them but players should never have been put in that position in the first place ever so the organizations need to make a stronger stance they need to take decisive action and not ignore the precedent that exists here because in 2022 they removed russia and belarus from international competition so the double standard is glaring and the ICJ has ruled Israel is plausibly committing genocide. So how can we engage with, compete against a state that is doing that? We, we are watching the most documented genocide, so we cannot stay silent. We have to take action, and it's not too late to take action. On the basketball situation, it's um, a very difficult position for a lot of the players, but five of them already taking the stand to not take part in this upcoming clash with Israel is a remarkable step. Is there a sense that that will be enough to dissuade Basketball Ireland from fulfilling this fixture? It remains to be seen, but 
that stand is huge and massive like that is such strength and courage by those women and I applaud them and support them and also no judgment to the other players as well because again they shouldn't be in this position but you never know what can happen it could be that influencing factor for other players to take a stand as well take that moral stand maybe it'll convince Basketball Ireland to actually protect their players as well and take another stand themselves so you can only hope and that's that's what happens you know, momentum gathers and people want to be on the right side of history and take that moral stand so the side from that's been put out there I guess from Basketball Ireland's perspective is that uh, the fine that they would get for not fulfilling the first fixture and then subsequently the second fixture would be astronomical for a country that's fails to, I guess, sustain a women's team during the recession, which, which you would know all too well. The, the financial aspect, from their perspective, is very real. Do, do you understand that concern? Obviously, this, is, this goes much beyond money and, and anything like that. This is a, a, a humanitarian crisis. But can you understand at least why Basketball Ireland are digging their heels in a little bit? 100%. You know, I, I understand the financial implications, but I think it is worth mentioning as well that now, I have not seen official correspondence, of course, but according to the handbook, it stipulates in the first instance of forfeit, which this match would be, it would incur a fine of up to 80000 at a maximum. There's no mention of a ban at the first instance. And I think that's important to state. The second match, due for November, would be the second instance, and then it could incur a second fine and possible ban. So I think we need to put it into perspective here that the first instance is up to 80000 which I'm sure we could crowdfund if needs be. But I totally understand... As a player, as someone who you know did miss out on that period of time when Basketball Ireland wasn't competing internationally, so I understand the, the want to play. But my position comes from a deep sympathy for Palestine and what's happening, and we have the power to take a stand. It's interesting that you make the point about a potential crowdfunding of the initial fine. Like, is there a potential approach here where Basketball Ireland could be? in a better place if they pay the fine uh, don't fulfil the fixture and then subsequently they have time on their side then before the second fixture which would incur a substantially greater fine do you suspect that that might be a course of action that they could take I think it absolutely could be and I've heard so many people say that they would help support a crowdfunding initiative if it was to happen and basically there are options here and there are ways to resist this there's ways to take a stand that doesn't necessarily have to mean worst case scenario but we then have to put in perspective that we are witnessing genocide as well. And what moral stand are we going to take here? The irony in all of this is that if Basketball Ireland takes a stand, Ireland becomes the pariah state in basketball terms, with Israel obviously inside the fold. So, so there are vast, vast differences with this situation if you compare it to, say, some of the rugby players travelling to apartheid South Africa, where they were travelling to what was a pariah state within the sport, or what eventually became a pariah state. So the move from Basketball Ireland to not fulfil this fixture would be extraordinary in that context. Well, it depends on what, how you look at it. A pariah state to Israel, yes, but to the global community. It's a massive stand of solidarity and it's a massive stand of courage. And it actually could... Ireland has such power because of our long-standing solidarity with Palestine. So it could actually influence a lot more countries to do the same. And actually, was it today or yesterday that um, a, a call came out from pro-Palestinian groups to boycott the Israel-Slovenian uh, match coming up, the men's one? So there is a knock-on effect here. And taking a stand, it takes courage to be the first. I get that. But it does work. And it, it really influences other countries to do the same. The interesting thing then is when we kind of look back at what Basketball Ireland has done, was it them basically taking a stand in the first instance to not actually go to Israel, to not host Israel in Dublin? Is there any, do they deserve credit for that or is that just something that they would have done regardless, do you think? 
the, 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 in the first instance. So, well, again, I'm not privy to internal uh, communications, but from the outside looking in and based on the statements, um, it would appear um, that the match was called postponed. Yeah. And then Basketball Ireland has said they advocated for a neutral venue, so we can only take the word for it. So, of course, not fulfilling that fixture, but I don't know who cancelled it first or who postponed it, so I'm not aware of this. But, yeah, of course, not fulfilling the fixture, and I know Israel did come out and criticise that. So, but is it, is it enough? Is it enough? Because I would have would be rather that cancellation rather than a postponement. Have you spoken to the five players who walked away or any of them? So I, I can't speak on um, any any players, and I'm not representing anyone here. But of course, basketball is small. We're a community. We're peers. We've played against each other with, with each other at a certain times. So I can't comment on that. But um, I do want to commend the players who have taken a stand. And again, no judgment on anyone else. And they should be protected. Do you get the sense, again, that we're looking from the outside in at this point, but do you get the sense that that number of five could grow in the coming days and weeks? It could, it, yeah, it's okay. guesswork, but it could because um, it has been picked up by, you know, BDS, which is the, the global coalition of Palestinian um, boycott divestment sanction. That's been picked up, like, that's huge, and, like, they're getting such support, and you could only hope that it would influence other people. Sure, never should have been their position, um, but you can only hope, and, yeah, we, we'll have to see what happens. Rebecca, thanks very much. Right, we are here outside government buildings, and I'm delighted to be joined by Ireland rugby legend Tony Ward. Tony, what moved you to get involved so publicly with this current movement? If, if, I, if I was to put it down to one person, and I've no problem saying this, it has to be David Hickey, Dr. David Hickey. Dave is just a remarkable human being, and he's inspirational when you talk to him. He's one of these people who just gives all the time. Uh, so, when, and, and I know Dave going back to my my uh, rugby playing days, my school days, just after I left college way back when. Um, through the family as well so he was the individual who certainly got me involved but much more than that is um, I just like anybody out there and, and sitting every evening and watching you know what we're seeing on television and I know October 7th was absolutely appalling and, and there's no defense for that but what's followed since is even worse again and and and, and, and I, I, I'm cowardly in the evenings because I can't watch it because you know, we're watching murder of innocent people on an ongoing basis. And sport, like, for me, it's always, it's a way, been a way of life for me all along. Um, but it's escapism, but it's escaping from the real world. And if sport can do something to hel help that, and as Michael Dara said earlier on, that, um, you know, that, that, that if, you, if you form sporting boycotts, rather than building bridges all the time. It brings about change. I, I, the only other thing I've been involved in way back when was in the apartheid movement back in, in, in the early 80s, and I didn't go to South Africa having been there the previous year with the Lions. Uh, and that got to me on a moral basis, and this has been the very same. But this has touched even more because of the human side to it. Just seeing innocent people having their lives destroyed is just it's beyond comprehension. Can I ask you about your own family and you mentioned your father when you were speaking there yeah my, my dad was actually Jewish he um, he met my mom and uh, my mom is Catholic obviously from Dublin here and um, in order to get married he converted from uh, Jewism to Catholicism um, 
I was born here in Dublin, but we lived our early years in, in Leeds, and he died when I was very young. He died when I was five. Uh, he's buried in Leeds, hence I'm a Leeds United fanatic to this day. I'm a season ticket holder, <laughs> proud to say. Um, but because we came back to Dublin, obviously then um, I had a different lifestyle. I'm from Harold's Cross, and I went to school in, in Mary's and Rapnines, although football, soccer was my big game growing up, but I played rugby as well. Um, so it's funny how life, you know, things happen in your life and you go in different directions. But yeah, I, I suppose it puts me in slightly unique position in my dad being a Jew. And yet I'm very much on the Palestinian side of this. And it's horrible having to take sides, but it's just, oh, I, I just find it so upsetting on a human basis. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the background of my dad. It does also kind of prove the point that the... the, the, the anti-Semitic uh, label that's attached to pro-Palestinian protests just by and large doesn't make sense. No, no not at all and, and, and that would be very much my feeling as well. When it comes to the um, apartheid regime that was I guess uh, ignored and, and tried to be uh, tackled by certain Irish rugby players including yourself how does that differ to the current situation, do you think, with the women's basketball, basketball. team? Because I, I do believe that there are quite a number of differences, but, but just what are your own thoughts on it? No, I, I, I get that. I, I, I mean, I do realise the, 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 the financial implications that are involved and how basketball is trying to establish itself. Um, certainly, the only thing I don't, and I, and I, and I referred to it there, it, it, it was um, the Israeli Basketball Association talking about the spirit of sport. How can you talk about the spirit of sport when you're seeing... You know, murder on a daily basis of children, of women, of men. It, it, so I, I find that really difficult. As regards apartheid, I, I think what astonished me when I went out with the lines in 1980, and, and I was on the first bus out, you know, when I was uh, picked for to go out on that lines tour. I went out after two weeks, and I was there for another ten weeks as we went along. From the, the get-go, from the time I got there, um, the apartheid system was evident for all to see. And if you wanted to see it, I mean, we got red carpet, five-star, red carpet, five-star treatment everywhere we went, and it, that reinforced even more for me uh, the reality of how big rugby was in South Africa and is to this day. Um, so I was in no doubt that. Um, the building bridges theory wasn't working, having been there in 1980, and I couldn't justify in my own mind going back in 81. I did myself no favours in a pure rugby playing sense, but I think that's where you mature, and again I tried to refer to that earlier. As you go on through life, rugby is your obsession, it's tunnel vision, you want to be the best that you can be, all those things come into play, and then as life goes on you realise, hold on, it's about a lot more than this, and that's certainly I mean you know I'm in awe of people like Rebecca and Michael Dara there they're so young and you know to be to have the conviction they have I wish I'd had that back then but it's nice to be able to do something now and again thanks to David Hickey uh, there are quite a number of us involved so what I'm very interested in is when you had to take that stand against South Africa how easy was that, I guess, in terms of how it would be received at that point? Because the reason why I ask that question is that when we analyse the situation with the Irish women's basketball team right now, I suspect there'd be a lot of support for them within the country for, for them to not fulfil these fixtures and to take the fine and pay the fine if they possibly can. Internationally, 
it feels it may not be the same and it may be harder for our Irish basketball to get back into the fold with, with FIBA for example I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is was South Africa more of a pariah state then than Israel is at this point yeah over a longer period of time uh, so deaf and there was an anti-apartheid movement here with Kader Asmal, who was a lecturer just down the road here in um, in Trinity College so yeah there was huge pressure but it was still up to each individual to decide and that's one thing I'd say about it it was never held against me by my fellow rugby players not going um, conversely I never held it against any others who went that was their decision and at the end of the day John Robbie has come out as you know quite strongly a number of times he's based in South Africa saying how wrong he was to go in 1980 with the Lions on 81 but even more 81 because he had seen 80 and he regrets to this day going out but I admire him because he then um, emigrated, as you know, to South Africa and has lived his life out there um, uh, in the media and has operated attacking the system, the political system in which he lives from within. I think that's courage, where I'm like so many others, I'm X thousand miles away, so I could say whatever I want. So he realised he got it wrong, but it's point I'm making that when you're that age, no matter what sport it is, you've just, for the basketball players now, they want to play basketball, they want to play for Ireland, and I get that, I, I fully get that. It's a really difficult one. The only thing everybody has agreed on, it shouldn't be the girls themselves who are having to make those decisions, or guys for that matter, it should be the association that is making it for them, because it could t- cause the type of rift you're talking about between individuals, those who decide to opt out and those to stay in Um, and certainly it didn't help me in terms of my relationship with the IRFU um, which would have worried me back then doesn't cost me a thought now I can assure you what I did was the right thing to do period right that's very interesting I guess you can completely understand the the caution the girls would have right now in terms of their relationship with Basketball Ireland but by the same token the five who have already made the stand it's a pretty remarkable thing to have done. Absolutely. And that's my point, that to do it in, I presume most of them, I don't know the girls, but I presume most of them are in their early 20s. You know, they'd be relatively very young, a long life ahead of them. And um, to make that decision now uh, on moral grounds, on moral standing, is just, it, it, I think it's hugely courageous of them. And I, I, it's easy for me to say at this stage of my life now, but I look back and I, I'm able to say I made a lot of mistakes, no question about that, but that was one I got right, one of a few decisions. Um, and they'll, they'll feel the same in years to come, if that's any consolation now to the hurt of not being involved in the possible time. It's pretty obvious but by dint of the fact that you're here today but you obviously truly believe that sport and boycotts do work. Well that's been my experience I mean we were we were fed the line by uh, the people in the IRFU here because I had quite a few meetings at the time uh, with coaching with administration about going out and the line was building bridges building bridges building bridges it's the whole thing that if you cut out communication things will get worse it wasn't if you cut out um, if you fail to tour and they're not getting what they want i.e. international rugby test rugby back then they then have to look at themselves and that is what happened um, now I know you'd, you'd, if you were, you'd a lot of remarkable people none more than Nelson Mandela in fact if I was to talk about uh, this is probably irrelevant but one of the real plus points and none of us 
get involved in any of these things for any ulterior motives. But I remember when the Duns workers, you remember the Duns workers, they boycotted. When Nelson Mandela and Winnie came over in the early 90s after he'd been released from Robben Island, I remember being invited along into the old Berkeley Court Hotel with the Duns workers to meet Nelson Mandela, Winnie Mandela. And I have to say, it was a fantastic thrill. Like, never in my mind, obviously, when I was doing my own little stand. And not for a minute did I think that by me, Tony Ward, not going to South Africa, was I going to change the world. But every little bit helps. And that's what we're seeing as this um, anti-Israeli interest among sports people particularly is, is gaining momentum. Tony, thank you very much. Off the ball, daily.